0: We've got this nice LED light right here, Cliff. Thank you. I can actually see. It makes a difference, no doubt. Um, all right. Thank you, Aaron, for doing all that. Am I now on? on? There you go. Better. All right. So um, thank you, Aaron, for 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 leading us in that. And uh, let's go back to the Lord in prayer. I feel like we need to. Uh, I feel like I need to get in prayer and, and get, get, my, get my heart right in this. Father, we're thankful for this opportunity to come and to hear about um, Todd and Tia's mission. And um, it's inspiring to know, Lord, that um, they are doing what they do and that, they, that there is an organization like Wycliffe, Lord, that's coming together. And I thought it was interesting that they partner with other mission, missions that do the same thing, you know, which really shows to me a humility um, they don't want us to stand up and say, we're the only ones who really know what to do or how to do it best. But instead, what they do is they've stepped back and they've said, less of us and more of you. We want Jesus to be the focus of this, Lord, not our own little silo of things the way we like them. And so, Father, as we, uh, as we each go into prayer this week, each night, and continuing through the week, uh, as we hear from these different missions, Lord, I just ask that you just stir hearts Um, for supporting those missions, whether it's supporting them financially, whether it's supporting them through prayer. Um, There's so many ways that uh, maybe it's supporting them through volunteering with their mission um, and and giving back in that way. We know there are so many ways, so let us not be limited in anything that we do and any opportunities that there may be. As Aaron said, um, it may be time to get uncomfortable. It may be time to say, Lord, are you calling me to do some of this? And uh, if, if, if he is, then he'll absolutely equip you to do the job. So, Father, we're thankful. I just ask that you just, uh, Lord, as always, what I've got written, Lord, if, if it's not what you want me to say, that you just take it away and, and give me what you do want to say. And, Father, I know that as we, um, as we finish up this evening, Lord, that uh, we want all the glory to be brought to you because that's what this whole thing is about, is bringing glory to you and what you did for us through your Son, on the cross, in the grave, and triumphantly out of the grave. Amen. We thank you for this time together, Lord, and ask that you would just soften our hearts to a lost and dying world. And we'll ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, our base text, it's, it, it's interesting because, you know, when we teach... On Sunday mornings, or typically when I preach on Sunday mornings, it's, you know, we're taking lots of verses or, or a section of verses and kind of walking them through. And today is going to be a little bit different because uh, in our Sunday small group, we're studying the book of Acts. And so when you look at Acts, it's it's the launch of the church. There, there were, never was a church. And then all of a sudden, there was a church one day, and it was seated by the Holy Spirit and started in Jerusalem with 120 people. And so the, the, the key verse, and we'll just hit a few of them, the key verse, as Conrad read, is Acts 1, verse 8. And this is Jesus, and he's talking to his disciples when he's getting ready to be ascended into heaven. And he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth, which is interesting when he said that for them because they had a very limited view of how big the world really was, and, and we don't. But when we look at the book of Acts, sounds simple, it's a book of action because as opposed to being a strict doctrinal book, it's a history book, but what's it a history of? It's a history of missions. That's all it is. It starts from the first chapter, and it's a history of missions. That's why I said this morning... Read chapters 1 and 2 because you'll see the launch of the church. And what was the key to the launch of the church? When Jesus here in chapter 1, when he tells his disciples, he says, but you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he sends them back to Jerusalem and they spend 10 days in prayer with 120 people waiting for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And then when the Holy Spirit, chapter 2, verse 1, day of Pentecost comes... And the Holy Spirit descends on the people, they start speaking in different languages, right? And so, but other people that are there hear their own language and they know, well, I know those people don't know my language. How is that? It's one of the miracles that happened then. And then what happens in one message, Peter stands up and starts answering the questions. And as he starts to pull up Old Testament scriptures, what happens? People say, what shall we do? And his answer was simple, repent and be saved repent and be saved it's not complex it's actually pretty simple and he says and be baptized in the Holy Spirit and so it's a book about 12 men of Galilee 12 ordinary men who turn the world upside down for the gospel and so the question I have to ask myself is how do they do it well the key is the power of the Holy Spirit and I'm convinced as I have been studying this book, that we today as Christians, we look back, and I look back at the, old, at, at, at the times when, so those first 50, 100 years of the church, they had the Old Testament written. They didn't have all the letters, and they were passing some around. So how in the world did they get the word out about the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit? They relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I would challenge you to go back and read Acts chapter 2 when Peter starts quoting Joel and quoting the Psalms. Well, you know, my idea when I looked at it was I thought, well, wait a minute, it wasn't like... Because he, by the way, it was game on. Stand up and preach right now for the first time. And so what did he do? He didn't have his scrolls to open up. He had scripture memorized. And he had the power of the Holy Spirit. And what I want you to see and understand is that sharing the gospel message, if we think this is something I have to do of my own account, then what we're doing is we're saying, I'm going to do life without plugging into the power of the Holy Spirit who will give you the words. If you've ever witnessed, if you've ever been in front of people like that, one individual, I know of so many examples of friends of mine that have had an opportunity to share the gospel. And you know what? The first thing they say when they're telling you about it, they say, man, I couldn't believe I was coming up with those words. Guess what? Because it was the Holy Spirit working through them. And that's what I want to really chime in on tonight. The book of Acts is a continuous story of what and it's not a book of what men did it's a book of what jesus christ continues to do in the affairs of the world through his church and through his people so it's so when you look at the end of the book of acts it's interesting you go to the very last chapter of acts the story just kind of stops it doesn't end it just stops It's because it's continuing on today. We are writing the book of Acts for our generation right now. The church should constantly seek the leading of the Spirit. That's where we need to go. Otherwise, we're thinking of the things to do ourselves. In fact, Acts, the message of Christ for salvation, is preached to whosoever shall believe. So, whosoever shall believe in just reading the book of Acts, here's who you find who believes in the book of Acts beggars, kings, governors, Jews, Gentiles, rich people, poor people, bond, free, slaves, and masters. All of those different people you will see touched by the gospel and believing just in the book of Acts. The gospel of Christ is spread through the world by the apostles, but also mostly by, because there was only 12 of them, 11 plus one, but it was mostly by common Christians, most of which, or a lot of which, were uneducated. So how did they do it? Power of the Holy Spirit. we got to be plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit to make those things happen. It's amazing. In three generations, they turned the world upside down for Jesus Christ. And you know what they didn't have to do that? They didn't have organized programs. They didn't have buildings, budgets, denominational headquarters. They reached it through, they reached the world for Christ without all of those things. So, what was their secret? Simple. They were a group of passionate, burdened, dedicated witnesses who knew that they were in touch with the risen Lord Jesus Christ and things were happening in their lives by the power of the Holy Spirit and they knew it. They'd been touched. And if you're born again, then you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. The question is, are you plugged into the power source? I always think about it in my mind is we all have those little power strips at the house that you plug your computer into, right? And so you can plug it in and then you plug your computer into the slot. And then there's a little toggle button on it. But if you don't have the button turned on red, right, then you got no power. So we may have the, the Holy Spirit within us because we know we're born again. But if we're not tapping into that power, then how can we be effective to use it? Because then we're trying to operate under our own power as opposed to what God has given us. What we see in Acts is that men and women yielded their hearts to Christ and they surrendered to the leading of the Spirit. And it's interesting because Acts is not... Acts As I said, it's not acts of what men, Christian men did. It's a, it is the acts of what Jesus Christ did through men and women who yielded their hearts to him. And that's what I believe we're called to do. The life of Christ is carried on in the true Christian. That's why the book of Acts is an unfinished Acts. We're continuing to write it today. So our story, if we looked at it, we could call our time of the book of Acts as the Acts of the Risen Christ in 2022, which he does through the followers in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, That's where we are today. Let me read that again. The Acts of the Risen Christ... In, 19, or in 2022, that, that Jesus does through his followers in the power of the Holy Spirit. So all we're doing is doing what God tells us to do and commands us to do. He's alive, Christ is alive, and he's carrying out his plans and purposes on earth. But the question is, are we plugging into those? Christ is guiding, he's leading, and he's caring for every true Christian, and he's reaching out to them in a lost and dying world. I mean, really, can you think of anything more exciting? Let me me frame this in this way. The risen Lord Jesus Christ, creator of the universe and sustainer of life, reaches out of heaven and says to us as believers individually, what's he say? I require your assistance. I require your assistance. Because see, when he left, he turned around and he said, I'm no longer on earth. You are on earth for me. I need you to assist me to get my job done. So when we shirk from the responsibility or we say, well, no, it's really, it's, it's just on the missionaries that are supposed to do. Then what we're really saying is, I'm not interested, Jesus. You saved me, but I'm not interested in turning around and using what you've given me for your kingdom. So where is the church today? Theologian Preacher J.I. Packer said this, Brace yourself. The outside observers see the Christian faith staggering from gimmick to gimmick and stunt to stunt like so many drunks in a fog, not knowing at all where we are and which way we are going. Preaching is hazy, heads are muddled, hearts fret, doubts drain strength, uncertainty paralyzes action. Unlike the first Christians who in three centuries won the Roman world, And those later Christians who pioneered the Reformation and the Puritan Awakening and the Evangelical Revival and the great missionary movements of the last century, we lack certainty. Why? We blame the external pressures of modern secularism, but this is like Eve blaming the serpent. The real truth is that we have grieved the Holy Spirit, Mm. we stand under divine judgment. For two generations, our churches have suffered from a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. I mean, that's what he said. That was his view of it as a guy on the inside. And I really wonder, is that where we are? The book of Acts is a story of men and women who took their commission seriously. That's all it is. They looked at it and said, this is the commission. God says, I re-, Jesus says, I require your assistance. And they said, yes, sir. That's all they did. There's nothing different. They weren't theologians, right? The book uh, then, the book of Acts, is for every Christian who wants to experience the power of the Holy Spirit and be a witness for Christ to the end of the earth. Go look at how they did it. I mean, you see Paul's examples here. What would he do? He was a Jew. So first thing he did, he would go into a new town. He'd go to the synagogue, right? He was with his people. And he would talk about the gospel. He would talk about, hey, guys, do you know that the Messiah has already come? He's here. Let me tell you who he is. And then he could build that network. It's very similar to what Todd was talking about. Then he used that network where Todd's group, where they used the church that's already there and established. That's what he was doing. He was doing the exact same thing. He was going in and saying, if I can get some converted Jews who know the Old Testament and then can share who who God is, why we need a Messiah, then it all comes together. I thought that when you were saying that, Todd, and going through that, I was sitting there going, wait a minute, that's not new, that's not a new program, that's how Paul did it. And so we imitate those things. So let me ask you some questions because, number one, I'm really excited that you're here tonight. You've taken time out of your Sunday to be here, and I hope you'll be here the next few nights. But let me give you some questions because I think this is where the focus is as we go into this. Number one, do you want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you want to experience it? If you do, then get on the witnessing program, and you'll experience it. Second, What part does God want you to play in taking the good news to the world? There's a part. Everybody in here has got a part. And maybe a lot of different parts. Not all the same. Hmm. Next one. What is God doing in or with the church by going through this conference? What's he doing for the church? What's his goal? What's God's goal? We've been praying about it and putting it together because we felt like that's where God was leading us. Right. So, what does a church have to do with that? Third or fourth is, what is God going to do in or with me by going through this? Me being me, me being you. What, what's He going to do through you? Right. Will you offer to pray and be used in and be open to His next move? That's what Aaron was talking about. You know, are you open to the next move? Right. Moving is changing. Changing is growing. And if we want our faith to grow, here's some examples. Growing faith lives each day with eternity in mind. Growing faith isn't afraid to embrace something bigger than yourself. Growing faith isn't afraid to take on a God-sized assignment. Why? Because you know you got God on your side. Growing faith invests in the most important thing there is. People. People. It's being on a mission with Jesus Christ. Peter, shortly after the the verse that we read in in, in Acts 1.8, shortly after that, he preached and 3,000 souls were converted in a day. One message, 3,000 people were converted at the time. The goal of the gospel message is this, out of Habakkuk 2.14. It says that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the earth. So until, so when you read that, we all understand how the water covers the earth, right? So until the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of God, just like the waters cover the earth, then we still got a mission to do. You can't say, nah, I don't think the mission is on right now. Revelation 5, John has a vision in Revelation 5 of all the nations worshiping before God's throne. That ought to be our mission. I mean, that ought to be our vision. All the nations working before the throne. The book of Acts is a record not only of mighty conversions, by the way, but also of fierce opposition to the preaching, to the message. There's going to be opposition. We should expect that response. That happens. But listen, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. And God doesn't say, just do this only if you're going to get good results. But here's what we do know, is that we know that our God will triumph over every, and that every knee will someday bow to Christ. Every, they, they will. That's Philippians 2.9, to the glory of God. So what is God's purpose? God's purpose at, in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost was to, it was simple. Say, wow, why did he send the Holy Spirit? To equip the church. To equip the church to do what? To be his witnesses. Resulting in his glory. See, when we witness, we bring glory to God. And if you go back to the Old Testament, what you hear God say, what you read that God says, is I'm a jealous God. I don't want glory to go to anybody else but me. So if that's what he wants, how's, what's his purpose to get there? His purpose is to equip the church with the Holy Spirit so they would be witnesses to the nations which would then bring glory to him. That's what he wants, and that's what we're called to do. So ask yourself, again, another set of questions. But I came to these because I kept having to ask myself these questions. First is, is my focus on God's glory in everything? Is my focus that way? Um, Do I ever think, uh, do I think about it when I go through my week? Did it determine how I resisted temptation? Because of the fact that I'm focused on the glory to God. And I go, well, wait a minute. If, that tempta- if I yield to that temptation, then that can't bring glory to God. I want to bring glory to God. So therefore, I'm not going to yield to that. Lord, I need you to stand in front of me. You've given me a way out of that temptation. I want to take it. Another one is, is my passion that the nations would glorify God through the gospel? Is that a passion that we have? Now, let me challenge you with this. If, it's, if our heart is not on missions we're not in tune with God's heart. If our heart is not on missions, then we're not in tune with God's heart. Because the only reason, if you're saved, the only reason he left you here was to be a witness for him. All the other stuff is extraneous, right? Families and all of the things, jobs and hobbies, those are great. They're all on the side. First and foremost, as a born-again believer, your job is to bring glory to God and he says the, the best way to bring glory to me is to tell people about me so that they, therefore they can worship him. Third question, is my daily life consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit? Am I dependent on the Holy Spirit to get me through the day, to guide me, to direct me? Um, in fact, I read this great, great comment about that. He said, would I have missed the Holy Spirit if he had withdrawn me from me this past week? Would I have even known he wasn't there? I mean, that's a dang tough question. I I mean, when I read that, it stopped me in my tracks. And I'm not necessarily real proud of where the answer came up. But it made me think about, am I going through life based on my directions, what I think I want to do versus what God wants me to do and what God wants me to be focused on? This day um, is my daily desire to bear witness of Christ to those who are lost and perishing. I mean, I think these are the challenging questions we got to be. We got to be pushing ourselves on, and this is pushing, by the way. It is. It's growing. We need to grow, right? The power of the Spirit isn't given to make me happy. It's given, as Conrad talked about last week, it was given to make us holy, right? And, uh, and my words bring glory to God. That should be the meaning of Pentecost, right? We, all Pentecost was was a day where the Holy Spirit came, came, came into the church. And since that day, he comes into the church at salvation with every believer. And so if, uh, uh, Acts, 1, Acts 1, 2 says, until a day. Now watch this. Here's, here's, and here's what I want us to see about this Holy Spirit power. Acts chapter 1 verse 2 says, Until the day he was taken up. Until the day Jesus was taken up. So remember, at his resurrection, he was on earth for 40 days. And during those 40 days, he was discipling his disciples. He was talking to them about everything. He was showing himself through the Old Testament scriptures coming all the way through. So in Acts chapter 2 verse 1, he's still on earth. He's getting ready to ascend. And what does he say? It says, Until the day he was taken up. After he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles he had chosen. Let me read that again. Until the day he was taken up. After he, after Jesus, had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles. Interesting. Notice that Jesus gave those orders by the power of the Holy Spirit. So don't miss this. The Holy Spirit was the source and power of Jesus' earthly ministry. Think about it. The source and power. So when he was still on earth before he ascended, and he was figuring out what to tell the, disciples as he's getting, the apostles as he's getting ready to leave, the power of the Holy Spirit is who, he, is who he went to to get the words to tell them. So if that was true for him, then let us stop looking inward... For strength to do the mission, but instead be imitators of Christ and seek the Holy Spirit as the source and power to witness to people. That's where it comes from. It comes from the Holy Spirit, not from us. Christ will reach men for himself by means of the Holy Spirit, working through men as instruments. The disciples couldn't become effective witnesses without the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about what what Peter did that day of Pentecost. God's work must always be done in God's power, and God's power is the Holy Spirit. And it's kind of simple. I mean, it's, it's not high theology. It's actually fairly low theology. The question is, do we yield to it? And see, my concern is when we look at the, when we look at the times of the Bible in the New Testament, again, what I said earlier was they were relying on the Holy Spirit. They, didn't have, they couldn't just go and grab their Bible and go, oh, yeah, let me look at Titus 2.7. Right? They had to rely on the Holy Spirit. And I think the challenge for us can be, because we have, we got the written Bible, we got it on our phones, we got it anywhere. You can search a topic, you can, yeah, I can't remember that verse, but I think it starts with whosoever shall. You type in whosoever shall, boom, and it gives you the verse right there. And so what happens is we become technology-centric versus Holy Spirit-centric. And the Holy Spirit will provide what we need When we need it. Now, the Holy Spirit may say, Go check your phone and your Bible app, right? It's there for you, right? I've given that. Those are all tools that He's given us. But when we don't spend time seeking the Holy Spirit in our lives and seeking His direction, then what we're doing, we're looking at verses, we're reading verses, and then we're just operating. As opposed to saying, I can't, I don't have a Bible. If I don't have the Bible, how am I going to do that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. So again, God's work must be done in God's power and God's power is the Holy Spirit. It's not enough that God knows that, that he wants us to merely engage in busy work. So what I don't want to do is I don't, want, I don't want us to substitute. I'm doing busy work. I'm just doing stuff God calls me to do. Or maybe I've got the gift of administration or I've got the gift of helps or I've got the gift of teaching. That's great. Exercise those gifts because we all have different gifts. Some are the same, but we all have different gifts. But we all have one single calling, which is to be a witness for Jesus Christ. That's it. End of story. Doesn't matter. So don't get caught up and say, and, and I do this. I can follow. Well, you know, I'm teaching every Sunday morning. Oh, great! Pastor Perminer used to say, send up a flare! Right? But that doesn't excuse me from saying, am I allowing the Holy Spirit to guide me? Am I keeping my spiritual antennas high so that I can see opportunities to share my faith? And it's sharing my faith. It's sharing what God has done for me. Um, It's not enough to know about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must empower us to get our work done. To be effective, Christians must yield to the Spirit for the task of living for Christ. Um, again, uh, Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Well, if you're saved, you've received the power. You've got the Holy Spirit in you. The question is, what are you going to do it? It is Christ by the Holy Spirit through men who will reach the world for the, with the gospel. It's a supernatural work. But only the Holy Spirit can accomplish it through us. It's not our job. I mean, it's not our it's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to go and tell people. And and again, uh, the the verse that um, uh, the verse that Patrick read earlier, which we're actually going to close with in a little while, is the idea that um, when when we when we have this supernatural work. Of the Holy Spirit coming through us, then what we're doing is we're looking at one person sowing, one person's reap. How do you know you're not planting a seed to somebody else who's going to go come along in water later? You don't get a result of it. God didn't say work on the result, He said plant the seed. And then somebody else, Paul talked about it many times. And when, they, when the church at Corinth was arguing with each other about, you know, who, who did they follow? Paul or Apollos or Peter or whatever. And, and you know, what, what, what did Paul say? He says, it's not us, it's Christ. Get your focus on Jesus. That's where it is. The Holy Spirit power accomplishes things for God, and it will win men and women to Christ. Christ said, you shall be my witnesses. So our program is a, God's program is a witnessing program. But let me just take some fear out of it for you with a couple of things. We're witnesses, not propagandists. We're not trying to brainwash people. So don't, 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 that's, that's the Holy Spirit's job. To, right. We're witnesses, not salesmen. We're not peddling a product. Right? We're witnesses, not recruiters, We're not trying to get people to join our club. Right? We're witnesses. A witness does what? shares what he knows. That's all a witness does, shares what he knows. When a witness talks about himself, it's always in terms of what Christ has done for me. That's what it is. And so what we do is take Paul's example. Ninety percent of the time, what Paul was doing is go, "This is who I was, this is what happened, this is who I am." It's not that complex. When you look at it, true witnesses simply tell what they know about the resurrected Christ. And they talk about what? They talk about his fantastic person, his glorious character, his exciting plan, his matchless work, his mighty power, what he did for my life. You know, we, read, we talked this morning about uh, miracles, and I looked immediately because I know Fred. I looked at Fred. I said, Fred, tell me some miracles. He opened up his notebook that he always has, started rattling them off. One, I mean, it was almost to the point where he kind of looked up like, is that enough? I've just given you like 12, right there. But it's true because he recognizes it and he sees what goes on. Witnessing is not about doctrine. Witnessing is not about the church. It's about being in, the li- being in touch with the living one and telling people about him. The program God, as, as we've read, starts in Jerusalem, moves to Judea, then to Samaria, and then to all the nations under the sun. It's interesting, Jesus' very last words as he was getting ready to ascend, be my witness. And this last one, I mean, that's, that, there is no. So you can't look and go, well, you know, but he had some other plan. Well, yeah, he did, after you become his witnesses. After his ascension, he sent back the Holy Spirit. So today is the day of salvation, and Jesus saves all who come to him by faith. When he returns, and here's the call. When he comes back the second time, he's coming as judge, not as savior. And so time is of the essence because what if he comes back next week? Who's out there that we know we've had that? I know you get this because it happens to me. I got that prompting in the back of my mind. I need to go talk to that person about it. And I make excuses or, you know, I'll see him. Maybe I just need to pick up the telephone and call them. That's what, and I know if I yield to the Holy Spirit, I know what's going to happen. I better be picking up the telephone and calling them because time is of the essence. Because what if Jesus comes back next week and I go, oh, I just forgot. I didn't have time. In other words, I didn't make time for that lost person's soul. That's what it really says, which makes us very self-centered and self-focused when we do that. Um, the basic program for the church is to be witnesses to the whole world, and God is calling out a people. Again, Acts 1.8, but you shall receive the power of the whole, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. right? And so the ministry, and we just read about Jesus when he was on earth, his source and power for his ministry was the Holy Spirit, and it's the same for us. So I thought, well, wait a minute. Maybe we just have a, an inferior understanding of the Holy Spirit, or we're, we're worried that if we're too plugged in the Holy Spirit, we might become Pentecostals. doesn't have anything to do with that. So, I, you like that? If we're too, I mean, but I think that can happen. I don't want to get too holy roller on you now, Okay as conrad said you know well if, if if when he's praying over the family if we pray out loud and have this royal i started saying royal rumble because i like wrestling but i mean that was not that was too long too long ago was it royal rumble? <laughs> y'all got me completely off task now golly squirrel exactly squirrel i was seeing cage matches and ladders and all kinds of things Going on my but that that holy rumble, right? We're embarrassed to do the holy rumble because one thing I'm Pentecostal. One thing I'm Pentecostal. Well, next thing you know, we might be putting our hands up like this. My gosh, you know. Let the so I thought. Well, what does the Holy Spirit do? What's he do? How what what what's he do for us as believers? And so I went to scriptures. And all, I can give you all the scriptures if you want I mean, It would take too long to do that. Um, but I'd be glad to write them down for you. But let me tell you, here are the ministries of the Holy Spirit. So when I read through these, as I wrote them down, and, and I looked, I went, well, I don't, I don't, I don't take advantage of that one or, or that one or, or that one. So there's all this resource that I've got that's in me that I'm not taking advantage of. So let me give you some examples of the ministries of the Holy Spirit. Number one, he leads any call to ministry. Conrad Westbrook is is an ordained pastor, right? And how did he get that way? The Holy Spirit called him to ministry. And he'll tell you right now that he can't do anything else. Can't do it. He's called him into that. Um, What else does he do? He's a channel of divine revelation. The Holy Spirit empowers, he encourages, he fills, he guards, he helps, he illuminates, he indwells, he intercedes, he produces fruit. He provides spiritual character. He regenerates. He restrains. Restrains us, right? He restrains. He sanctifies. He seals. He selects overseers. The Holy Spirit is the source of fellowship. He's the source of liberty. He's the source of power. He's the source of unity. He's the source of spiritual gifts. And He's the source of all teaching. If you've learned anything at all about the Bible, it came from the Holy Spirit. He gave it to you. He opened your eyes. So you'd ever read those verses and go, Ooh, Wow, I see this. It makes sense to me now. You do that? That was the Holy Spirit. So what do you do? We turn around. We thank the Holy Spirit. We look at that. And we go through all those things. Have you, have you had a, a temptation that came along and, and, and you successfully, for lack of a better term, avoided it? That's because he was guarding your heart. The Holy Spirit was guarding. The Holy Spirit said, don't, don't, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't go there. Don't think that. No, that was him, all the things he's doing. So we ought to be looking at all of these different things and think, what do I, how, how, why am I not using all this? I've got all this information. So the fullness of the spirit of God's people is to empower us to witness to the nations. And I know it's like Raymond that's a broken record. I, I get it, but we need to hear it. We need to hear it because we've got 200,000 people within, you know what, 30 miles, 35 miles, 200,000 people who don't, who not say, well, yeah, I've got some religious faith. Say, i got none. None. No desire for any. And they're all around us. Acts 2 records the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church to prepare the disciples to carry Christ's witnessing program to the ends of the earth. That's what it was about. Disciples were about to begin reaping a harvest that continues today. Almost 2,000 years later, we're still reaping the same harvest. We still got the same focus. And Patrick read this verse, John um, four thirty-five and 36, but this was Jesus. He said, I say to you, look around. And I think that's what Jesus is saying to us right now. Look around. The fields are ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planters and the harvesters alike. You ever think about the fact that you may share the gospel with people, you never see what happens to them, and they may get saved, and you'll run into them in heaven. Mm -hmm. Think of it this way. The first converts, the very first Christians, were in Acts chapter 2, Very first ones. Now, I want you to wrap your brain around this. Through those 3,000 people that were saved, called 3,120, that were saved, through their efforts, you and I got saved. You and I got saved because of what happened on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. I mean, there's a tree. Right? Anybody does ancestry, you know, and you do that, you trace family tree all the way back and you do all that stuff. You know you've got an ancestry in faith. Somebody shared the gospel with you. Somebody shared the gospel with them. Somebody shared the gospel with you. You could literally trace yourself all the way back to the day of Pentecost. If you think about it, I mean, at first you go, oh, that's not, well, okay, maybe it is. If that's when the first Christians were, And we're Christians today, it's because people were willing to get out of their comfort zone. People were willing to die. People were willing to get really, really uncomfortable. And people were yielding to the Spirit and said, God, you saved me, there's got to be somebody else out there that I need to tell about this. Christians, if we want to be used by God for evangelism, we need to experience His power, we need to live in His presence, and we need to be characterized by His holiness. So we'll close with this. Somebody stepped out in power and faith for you. Are you willing to be that for someone else? And that's really the question. Somebody did it for you. Are you willing to be that for somebody else? I got to tell you, I, I, I don't know anything as exciting that I've ever done in my life than to see somebody that I've shared my faith with come to Christ. I mean, it's 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 the it's greater than having children. It's greater than getting married. It's unbelievable. When you see and you realize that not through me, not because of me, but because I was willing to heed the mission that God gave me, someone's going to heaven. That's powerful, powerful stuff. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, we're thankful for this opportunity, as always, to come together. And, Lord, I know that I am as guilty as anyone about failing to yield to your spirit, knowing what you have given me, knowing what indwells me, and yet I still spend so much time caught up in the foolishness of this world. Lord, forgive me, forgive me for not keeping my eyes on the prize and not thinking about the idea that you're coming back and we don't know when, but it could be tomorrow. And who in the world is out there that I know you have called me to testify to, that I'm refusing or just ignoring or maybe just being lazy enough and pushing it off another day. Lord, give me, give me that spirit that time is of the essence. The days are short. The harvest is white. It's time to get in gear. I'll thank you, Lord, for doing that. And I'll trust you, and I'll trust in the power of the Holy Spirit to guide me through the process. We ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.